don't play bad in the World Series, but get kicked out of baseball anyway. It's time for Pod Cusack. It's Pod Cusack, baby. It's Pod Cusack, baby. Hot town, it's summer in the city, and nothing is wrong in the world, so we're going to talk about America's favorite summer pastime on this very special episode of Pod Cusack. Guys, the most American of games, of course, is baseball, the only sport you can play whilst being a -a pack-a-day smoker and... uh, we're going to have baseball's favorite son on the eve of a very dramatic softball final championship game. That's right. So I'm so thankful that you were able to take some time out of your preparations to be on the pod. Welcome back, Pat Wise. <laughs> uh, happy to be here. Have, great to talk about the biggest scandal in baseball, baby. This yeah. is the scandal that you learn about as a kid. I swear to God, they give you a bat and a glove and they say, don't be the Black Sox. <laughs> I think when I, uh, yeah, the first like first thing I ever learned about baseball was probably the name Babe Ruth. And then like within the next four things, it was it was the Black Sox. Yeah. I mean, it's like the biggest sports scandal. All right. Well, let's, first off, guys, we are talking about the movie Eight Men Out, the 1988 movie uh, directed by one of my favorite directors, John Sayles. He made Mate One, Brother from Another Planet, Lone Star, a bunch of great movies. Mate One is maybe a top 10 for me. So he's he's a really cool director who somehow figured out how to make this really cool baseball movie. And this is like, this is the, you're talking the the heyday of baseball movies. You got Bull Durham. I think this came out in the exact same year as Field of Dreams, which maybe hurt Eight Men Out at the box office because Field of Dreams is like, baseball is so beautiful and great. And Eight Men Out's like really depressing and like dishonor and like- Is this the same year? I think so. That's gotta be, that's- super unlucky <laughs> yeah i think it was like, like the, it's same the same summer thing. i think they both came out the same summer yeah they Why? Both, they both feature okay sorry field of dreams was 89 okay so, so may 5th, eight men out comes out people are people are upset about how uh the scandal is portrayed yeah. they say we want a feel-good movie about yeah. these guys bring them back from the cornfield exactly we want to see joe shoeless joe get his get his due yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were like six months apart, September and then May uh, of the following year. So that's, Field that's of Dreams is really funny. soon. Um, yeah. So Eight Men Out. It's this, just first off the stats before we get into the plot of the movie. Box office. People did not really want to see this movie. The budget was $6.1 million. It only made $5.7 million at the box office. So it was not a hit, despite the critics really liking it. 86%. On Rotten Tomatoes and the People Score seventy nine, so both very fresh. Um, so it was a critical hit, just didn't it's connect a bad with title. people. It is a bad title. It's a bad title. If they it's just called it bad... Black Sox, it yeah. yeah. Well, the, the the title of the book, right. which is fine, but like you could change the title. Yeah, I don't like the title Eight Men Out. I like when I you, you told me to watch this movie, and I was like. Okay, and then I had like forgotten what the title was, and I was like, I have no idea. I don't remember it at all. What the is like? I look up Black Sox movie, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's called Eight Men Out. And it's a bad title. It is a bad. It's title. A, they should have changed it. They should have called it Black Sox. They could have just called it, uh, you know, Scandal, 
great scandal. I don't know any anything but eight men out. Eight men out doesn't sort of. I guess it sort of makes sense, but I guess there were eight men who were who were out of trial baseball. and right. yeah, got kicked out. Of, and what you know, there's I know there's nine guys on the field. So what? What? How did that one guy? Is it the, the catcher? One, is he the <laughs> and he's the one who who narked yeah. right? So that's why. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get there. Um, yeah. <laughs> last stat: uh, the Cusack number, of course. How many Cusacks are in this movie? The Cusack number of this movie is two, because John Cusack's father, Dick Cusack, plays the judge in the trial at the uh, at the end of the film. Oh, really? Yeah, that was wow. Dick Cusack. Um, I will say John Cusack, perfect casting choice. He looks to me like. He is the face of someone who I believe would be would exist in the 30s first or like the you know, this is in the 30s. This is like 1919. But in that time period, turn of the century, early America, I feel like he's got that right face. And he's a huge Chicago. I think he's actually a Cubs fan, but he's from Chicago and a huge baseball fan. So great, uh, great, great casting. I, I will say that this movie, I've seen a lot of baseball movies. I was impressed with the actors doing baseball fundamentals. Like oh, yeah. you'll see a lot of baseball movies where baseball, like actors will swing a bat, they'll throw a ball and it looks terrible. You're just like, Oh, this guy, no one ever taught this guy how to throw a ball for real. He's just doing it for the camera or he's just swinging a bat for the camera. And I will say that like this one, I, I think they taught them how to play. So like they actually make plays, they actually do things. And I was impressed. Like it looked like an actual baseball uh, game when it was being played and, and that does not always happen yeah that's really important for this movie i mean i know that like bill simmons obviously a great sports writer and obviously avid fan of movies he he says that bull durham can never be a great baseball movie because tim robbins can't throw yeah <laughs> he's like the pitcher <laughs> so yeah. it's like that's the I fundamental mean, it flaw. takes you out of it it yeah. takes you totally out of it so many of the like the funny movies or the guy will pitch pitching especially because it's like it's a weird body it. movement and you have to like get it right. I think that honestly, I think that everyone was great. And I think I had the most problem with John Cusack's swing. Sure. Everyone else looked really, really good. Uh I'll tell you about one of my favorite shots, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that's really important for this movie specifically because so much of the movie. So we're going to do a little bit of play by play through the plot as we do on this show. But that's sort of hard to do with this movie unless we want to do literal play-by-play of baseball of games because yeah. so much of the movie it is like a baseball fans movie because so much of it is just the the game and the there's game. because this this story there's a lot of drama off the field but i would say that that's maybe 40 percent of the movie and 50 percent or 60 percent of the movie is just the games themselves um and so normally we also always on this podcast, we talk about like people's relationship to John Cusack. You've already been on this podcast. So Pat, one of the reasons I asked you to do this specific movie is because you are a baseball guy, right? I mean, I, yeah. you know, so the audience played baseball, love baseball, know all about this, knew all about this controversy before the movie, uh, still play softball to this day. Love it. So when you were a kid, like learning about baseball, was it, is it like we mentioned earlier where like the Black Sox is maybe like the second or third thing that you'd know about the sport? Yeah. Um, yeah. When you talk about that era of baseball, it's kind of myth and legend because you've got Babe Ruth, you hear about Joe Jackson, Ty Cobb and Ty Cobb. My dad used to love talking about Ty Cobb because he was like this big asshole who was like, <laughs> 
he got in trouble for like spiking people, which is when you slide into someone on purpose and you kick them with your cleats, your cleats. to like hurt them. And they, I think they tell you a lot of stuff as a kid to be like, this is what you don't do. This is what right. baseball is not about. We're not about hurting each other. We're not about like intentionally getting each other's way, but some of the greatest baseball players in history did all this stuff. <laughs> I mean, of course, <laughs> like this is back in the day when they used to spit on the ball. They would like, you know, they do all kinds of crazy stuff. This was also the dead ball era. So this is the year before they changed the ball. And there's a scene in the movie where he, like they get it, to, they yeah. give it to uh Sukkot, uh, Sukkot or whatever his name is. And he's like, wow, this is really, this is a sweet ball. This is going to really fly. And so like guys were hitting maybe nine home runs like the best guys are hitting nine home runs a season with right. this dead ball. Um, and then the next year, you know, things start popping off the bat and right. the game changes completely. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's kind of a game. You, like when you look back on the game in that era, it's kind of messy. It's uh, as an adult, you realize that like, this is not the only scandal. This is the only one that they got caught. Really? This is an mm -hmm. era where, a lot of people were maybe throwing games and it's like historians think that maybe games were thrown before this as well. Well, uh, that's like one of the things in the movie is, you know, I don't know that much about baseball. I know obviously like the big stuff, but one of the, the big shocks of the movie to me was how easy it must have been and like how commonplace, like the guys you think of like, Oh, they, the black Sox, they threw the world series. How could they, that's like the most crazy thing I could possibly think of the world series. That's like, I mean, maybe now the Super Bowl has taken over as like the primo sporting event, but it's just the World Series, especially at this time, just seems so important how they couldn't have never done it. And then sort of in the beginning, when they're first starting, they're meeting with the, these like mobster guys and these bookies and they just and then, you know, the word starts trickling out through the other players about like who's maybe some guys are going to like throw a game or two. They're like pretty unfazed by it. They're just like, oh, yeah, like people do this kind of thing. It just they seems even have so a term. Much... They're just like, it's not on the level. Yeah, yeah, and it's not you, on the level. And the, the guy's like, you know, I can't bet this money because then they'll know that I know something and then people will know that it's not on the level and they'll just copy my bet. Right. And so it, this was, it was common. Like it was, baseball was still in its infancy. It was, you know, people loved it, but it was messy. It was, it was fucked up. And, uh, you know, it's also like, this is right after World War One right in the middle uh at the end of the um great depression and it's a rough time for right. this country it's a rough time for the world and so you know i could get that like players at that time were also feeling pretty shitty there was a so players uh there was a rule based on the draft that if you played uh, it, you couldn't, you could, you could still get drafted if you play baseball. And a lot of baseball players did get drafted and go play. But if you worked at a plant that was like working and making military supplies, then you wouldn't be. So players left the team. Some of these players that we talk, are going to talk about actually left the team to go work. So they didn't have to get uh, shipped overseas. And uh, there's a story about like, um, it's getting pissed at them. <laughs> like, <just laughs> well, he's, he's a fucking character too. So let's just like get into the movie opens. It's 1919 Chicago. We get a lot of scenes of like kids and how they like worship these guys. And it's like back in the day, you know, pre football wasn't really 
big basketball had only existed for 30 years. I think as far as kids go, baseball is like so it, all these baseball movies start with kids because it's all about kids being obsessed with the game. And also back in the day, every kid is like a little swindler, yeah. <laughs> like a little Bart Simpson is going around, you know, scamming people and getting, the, you know, Oh, he's got to get his two uh, two bits, two bits to, to get into the game, and yeah. then he goes there and they scam a guy for more. <laughs> right? Yeah, some kid fakes right. crying so he could, you know, get a nickel to buy a hot dog or <laughs> so some cracker shit. jacks or something. Um, yeah. yeah, and it was just great. They're wearing little newsy caps and knickerbockers and like you know that come right how long high socks come up to the knee, and it's just like it really sets the scene. And it's just like baseball was like a kid's world. You know, there was no um, there. Like I was saying, there's no football. There's no basketball. Like there's no hockey, you know, not at least on any level resembling professional. Like the only other sports there were was like horse racing and boxing, you know. So like baseball yeah. was the sport. And, and that's just like you could do with other kids in the neighborhood. Yeah. You get nine guys together. You play stickball in like the vacant lot or whatever. And it really sets up you know, how the idolization of these guys, which then obviously like their fall from grace is that much more tragic because it breaks all these little kids' hearts. Um, but, you know, it's it begins, it's like a good, I like the way it opens because it sort of sets the scene, it gives this exposition sort of, I mean, all of these guys' names I forgot like immediately because it just goes through basically the whole team and it's like gives you the exposition of just like, all right, that guy, he's Buck Weaver, you know, played by John Cusack. And it's like, he's a good hitter like this. Will he be? And it's it's two guys played by Christopher Lloyd and um, blanking on the other guy's name. But yeah, Christopher Lloyd has a great little, he, and these guys are like former athletes who are now sort of like, mobster bookie guys uh and they're just going through all the players um and saying whether or not they might be able to be turned basically to throw the world series and so it's a great open because it like introduces all the characters and sort of tells you who they are like as players and then also like as people like this guy you know this guy they say david strahan's character who is the um I guess the star main character, it's sort of like him and John Cusack. He plays Eddie Sicote, uh, who is the pitcher and sort of like a vet, you know, he's, he's got, he's got some miles put on that arm and, uh, and there, but he, they say at first he, he's, he's untouchable. He's like, he's too honest. He'll never be, he'll never yeah. be. But if you don't get Eddie, you don't get anything. Exactly. And that's the whole thing is that, so it's interesting about, uh, the game at this year was it was a nine game series it has not always been a nine game series. It's a seven game series before right. it's now a seven game series again, but this year it was nine for some reason. And the white Sox only had three pitchers in rotation. So those pitchers were all going to pitch three times, which is uh, wild, which is unheard of. Uh, and, and also are, they're are playing these, um, in at this time, there weren't really relief pitchers, right? Didn't you just have no. a different starting pitcher no, come just, on? <laughs> basically, those three guys were yeah. who they had to pitch, uh, period. And which is insane. Which is crazy. Uh, today's today they were they have fifteen. Yeah. Uh, for and then like a one pitcher would pitch. Also, they don't do a nine game series. Yeah. Like you might see one pitcher twice. Your best pitcher might pitch twice in the series. Um. So. So yeah, they're like, and you can't throw a game without the pitcher. The pitcher has the ball the entire game. The pitcher controls basically the entire game. So you're not going to 
be able to throw a game with just the players. They right. can't make it make enough mistakes uh, to really change the to outcome. to really change the outcome. So yeah, it's just it's it's fascinating because <laughs> it's as a pitcher, I pitched uh, throwing three full games would have. I mean, they they talk about how his arm is just is wrecked. Yeah, like he can't. It's crazy to think this like what his arm must have been absolutely destroyed after this game. After it's almost like games. how he didn't even need to throw the game because it's like how he couldn't yeah, respect. It's like, already yeah. like, you know. But it's 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 interesting because so the, talking about this character, Eddie Scott, David Strahan, and the pitcher, uh, you know, the it's it's cutting between the mobsters sort of talking about him and then these these two um sports writers who eventually are the guys who sort of blow the lid on this whole thing. And they are two real life sports writers. One of them who is played by the director, writer, John sales. Um, and they're talking about David straight Theron's character, Eddie Sakat. And they're saying, Oh, Kami Kaminsky, the owner, Kami loves him so much. And they're just like, well, if he's such a fan, why does he play him, pay him a living wage? And uh, so they're like setting up from the jump. And it's just like a good reminder, you know, how we, it's just at being a professional athlete, even basically before the eighties was just so different than what it's like. Definitely, definitely different. But this is one of the main issues that historians have brought up about this movie is that they, the white Sox had the third highest salary in the league. They were paid fine. Interesting. Eddie Sukkot got a perfectly reasonable salary. They were all play, paid reasonable uh, salaries, and reasonable for baseball or reasonable for like any reasonable job for baseball at the time. Yeah, reasonable yeah, for this, they were a- they were getting what they were expected. To be. They were in the top tier of uh, players. I don't think that the top play, paid player uh, was what's his face. The guy I mentioned earlier, um, Shoeless Joe Ty Cobb. No, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb was had the highest salary, and he was paid like. I want to say twenty thousand dollars, fifteen to twenty thousand uh, dollars, and then I want to say Eddie Segal got like ten. Right. So okay. like, you know, these guys and Shoeless Joe, I think made like fifteen. It's like because this movie would definitely have you believe that Kaminsky was like a complete yeah. miserly guy who's yeah. running basically a baseball sweatshop who like won't pay them because you know, the next scene after the introductions of all the players is big scene. They yeah. send you, they go down to, to the, to the locker room and they're all expecting a bonus cause they just won the pennant and they're going to the world series. And then the owner sends down champagne and they're like, can we talk about the bonus? And the guy who, who brings it down is just like, what are you talking about? This is your bonus. Um, and so they're all like pissed and, um, yeah, the stories have also talked about that being like, there's no way that would have happened. They may have gotten champagne and it may have been flat, but the <laughs> idea that they were paid to make the World Series as a bonus is ridiculous. Right. They would have never, bonuses didn't work like that. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense to pay the team a bonus. You would pay like individual players bonuses for for certain things in their contract, but paying the whole team to make the world series is absurd. <laughs> and then there's happened. also a scene shortly after where he, David straight there, Eddie Sakot goes to meet Kaminsky right. and says he was, he was due a $10,000 bonus if he won 30 games. Um, but Kaminsky benched says, him. 
He got 29 wins and then Kaminsky benched him so he couldn't make the 30. And he says, I, I'm owed that bonus. So this is <laughs> this. Another thing that was always like, no, never happened. Yeah. It just didn't happen. It's not true. Is this stuff the, in the book or is this fabricated so here's, in the movie? So the theory is, so the book came out in 64 and the book is based on a lot of like players and people involved. And the historians think that it is potentially very biased because it's based on people's interpretations and conversations. Mm -hmm. And so things are not exactly true. Yeah. So he goes in and he says, you know, I want, you told me I get a bonus for 30 games, winning 30 games. Uh, I think I deserve it. He's like, how many games did he win? 29. Okay. Well, you benched me for five. (laughs) I I listened to this guy talk. He's like, that's crazy. First of all, it's crazy. that they'd say you have to win 30 games to get 10 grand because no one would agree to it because it's just like, Oh, well that's so many games I have to win. Right. What it would be is like you win 10, you get $5,000. You win 15, you get X amount. It would be a sliding scale. Um, and so this conversation never happened. Uh, and also I will say they paint Kaminsky as a total douchebag in this whole movie yeah but all the history says that he's not he's actually a nice guy he took a pay cut that year he's also uh, a former player this guy kaminsky yeah and this field is still named after him like you know chicago obviously likes this guy <laughs> so yeah that's uh, true kaminsky park is where the white Sox play yep um and he is you know so where did this like uh so I think what Where this, what this happened shit is, come from if he was such a because because, yeah, this movie really does. It's, him so, dirty. it's totally false. <laughs> this movie is is a complete fabrication. And basically it's because it was all hearsay and, and talking, uh, you know, and all this stuff. But then baseball it, around when this movie came out right around uh, in the 80s, just dumped a bunch of data including like video footage from the games and like salaries and contracts and historians went through everything and they were like, Oh, none of this is true. Right. (laughs) Like all these guys were paid reasonable salaries. They had some of the highest paid players in the league. They were all fine. Also there's all this, you know, we'll get into it later, but like they say that, you know, they were kind of hoodwinked into this by the gangsters when the, you know, the testimony shows that Eddie Sakot was like one of the main people putting this stuff together from September, like way before they even made the World Series. So it's just like, and I think a lot of baseball fans want to look back and say, it's the owner's fault. It's the gambler's fault. Right. It's not the player's fault. We love the players. We want them to come back and feel the dreams. We want them to like be these great guys that they just want to play baseball. They're good guys. They just like made a mistake. But no, they're, they're guys who were greedy, who wanted to make money. And like, they saw an opportunity to make some money and they took it. That's so interesting because yeah, it, that does go against the entire sort of mythology the <laughs> of the entire, this entire movie the, an entire mythology of like the black Sox in general. Cause you know, we're, you know, we're jumping around and, and it's worth jumping around cause this is history and people know like basically what happened. But, yeah. um, you know, obviously shoeless Joe and Buck Weaver specifically are two, guys and i think you know in in that little coda at the end and then the text they put on screen at the end shows that like it says you know 
Buck Weaver fought to get reinstated into baseball his, his entire life. And, 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 you know, Shoeless Joe, who is just this like fabulous talent, the most talented guy on the team, but and was like sort of a tragic figure because he didn't know how to read. And there's a scene in the deposition where they put this big confession in front of him, like knowing that he doesn't know how to read. And they're like sort of convincing him, which is, I did read this. This is another thing that like never happened. He never cited confession like this never happened. And, you know, he made his mark his ex because he was like illiterate and it was just like not only was like the the gangsters and the um and and the owner of the team of uh, fucking them over but also the justice system and all the lawyers right. and just like they're getting fucked every which way and some of the you know the players like the player um let me find michael, michael rooker yeah chick chick gandle so- by michael rooker he's obviously painted to be just a huge asshole well, so the historians are like, that is true. Chick Gandle <laughs> was a huge asshole. And you should look up a picture of him because the guy that I listened to, he's like, this guy looks like a criminal. He looks like a Batman villain. Look up a picture of him. <laughs> like, he looks evil. Wow. <laughs> well, it doesn't it doesn't uh, help that the the Wikipedia photo of him, his brow is so so oh, so prominent so that deep, his yeah. eyes are just black. Like it's a black and white picture on Wikipedia. His eyes are just two black holes. Intense, intense. And apparently like him, he was, uh, that, that part about him sort of being one of the main dudes is true. Yeah. Uh, and I think there are a bunch of other players that were just like, yeah, man, a bunch of other players in the league do this. They get away with it. They make a bunch of money. Why not? We get on the action. It's possible that they had done this before and gotten away with it. The league just didn't have, they turned a blind eye because it made the league look bad if they were going to call out the cheating and like cheating still exists in baseball. The other you know, a couple of years ago, the Houston Astros. Oh yeah. Got, Great story. You know, they're banging on a trash can to get uh send signs to the batter. The Yankees were using Apple watches to send signals to things like the cheating has been going on. In baseball forever but everybody in america america hates cheating america hates cheating sometimes sometimes it de- yes it in, depends in business they love it you know no, but it's like it's Donald sports. Trump. we're talking about only yeah. sports and, because people americans and, want to believe yeah. that the sport like sports are above board they want to believe yeah. that they're on the level they want to believe that it's all magic and you know the nba isn't like letting LeBron take five steps and, right. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing for game seven because it makes the company a lot more money. Well, I think and... the NBA is actually pretty on the level, <laughs> but it's the other, it's okay, these other right. sports. It's the other the sports. sports that they got to get. The ones that I don't line. care about. Those are all fucked yeah. up. But um, yeah, so Chick Handle is like definitely portrayed as an asshole in this movie. But just going back to my point, like Cusack, um, Buck Weaver and Shoeless Joe Jackson are like, painted as such martyrs and there's like it's what we want right it's this is that field of dreams thing that you were saying it's like we want these guys to be these mythic legends it's like sandlot you know like another great baseball movie when he heroes you know get remembered legends never die it's like that whole thing about bait and more than any other sport i think baseball has that like mythological element and maybe it's just because it is the oldest um of like the major American sports. Um, definitely the whitest. Too. Definitely the whitest. Yeah, there is. And, a, and you get a lot of like white average dudes yeah. crushing it. And, you know, 
so it's easy to look up to them. Yeah, and it's like the <laughs> it's like weird dads. It's the same dads who are into like World War II or into just like the 1927 Yankees and shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so it's like these 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 legends. Which so it's it's interesting that this, <laughs> especially it's funny. Um, I don't know. I I guess also John Sayles is you know. He, his best movie, my favorite movie of his, is Mate Wan, which is about the Mate Wan Miners War, which is just a very, it's one of the greatest screen portrayals of building a union and a union's fight versus management. And at the end of the day, like his 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 loyalties clearly lie with labor, you know, the players. Right. And right. so he wants, you know, despite maybe it being fake, he clearly wants Buck Weaver and Shoeless Joe, specifically those two, and Andy Sakote, to maybe a slightly lesser degree in this movie, to be yeah. basically martyrs. Um, and, uh, and and what's his name? The the first the first commissioner of baseball, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, one of the great all time names. You know, shows up towards toward the end of the movie, and uh, also portrayed as just a huge fucking asshole. Which is also like you know they talk about the first commissioner was like a really good thing, it like brought it gave the game a little bit more respect. Like it sort of started, it started off an era of like, you know, let's try to clean it up. Let's try to like get, you know, get this stuff figured out. So this game is more on the level. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I would also say, I'm glad John sales is the director. I did not know that he was the director because he is by far the worst actor in this film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like not just awful. Uh, I was saving that for things I didn't speed. like <laughs> in uh, the movie. It's, it's I was like, like really this did not need to cast himself. Terrible. <laughs> Him singing that song and like, yeah, he's not great. Oh yeah, oh yeah, not a great actor. Um, yeah. Another thing early on in this movie, I, I thought that was interesting is when so when Michael Rooker first, who's Chick Candle, when Chick Candle first starts creating his own scheme so we got we got christopher lloyd and his buddy who are like they want to organize the players to throw the game and then we got michael rooker who's talking to his good friend who's this like big time boston gambler bookie guy and he's they start thinking about like what it is to throw the game or throw these games and how could they how could they do it and how much money could they make and all this shit and basically it just shows how there wasn't just like one epicenter of this. It was like across the board. Everyone is like almost immediately, even in the fantasy version of this movie, which is, you know, clearly, I guess, mostly bullshit. There is like still, <laughs> it's still coming from everyone is trying to figure out how to throw this game. Right, right. Everyone's, everyone's trying to make some cash. It's like dudes from Boston, dudes from Chicago, dudes, you know, eventually it gets all the way to New York. Arnold Rothstein, who's like a real famous New York gangster uh, from New York, he gets involved somehow, um, played by Michael Lerner, who is great. He's a great actor. This movie is right. such a fucking treasure trove of like character actors. Like you got Cusack, who's sort of the quote unquote lead, but then you got Christopher Lloyd, John Mahoney is the coach. Who's the dad from Frasier. He's the, the manager of yeah, the Chicago yeah. Sox who, you know, even this movie will say like, did he know, did he not know? What did he know? When did he know it? All that kind of stuff. Charlie Sheen is happy Felch. Uh, yeah. DB Sweeney, who's a good character actor. It plays shoeless Joe. I mean, you just got, Tons I of think great. I think recognizable that faces. they were 
they had honestly believed this would have been an Oscar movie. I think that they were trying. I think that they could have. I think it's 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 good enough to be. I really I think it like is too. this movie. I mean, despite I think it's it being like poorly, maybe a fantasy, it's a great movie. It is a good movie. I liked it. Uh, it's a good it's a good movie. It's a great story. It's like an American story. It's about it's got like all these elements of like you know the love of the game, which is greed versus like mm-hmm. you know the world as it was in that era and like what it meant. What it means to be a team, what it's it means like to, to be American. It's a it's a movie from 88, 89, 88, which is two hours long, which is not, I feel like you it was long. So So it feels like they're trying to make it an epic. I don't know. Yeah. I well, actually, um John Sales, I guess the book was it was his script must have been really long because the book was, you know, there's a lot in there. I I, I read this at some point. They um he started showing all the actors movies from the 30s to get like the snappy snappy dialogue this the pacing of the dialogue down because he was like really? I he was legally contracted to deliver a under two hour movie and it came in at like one at one hour fifty one hour fifty nine yeah <laughs> fifty nine minutes and so it's like partly he was just like you guys need to talk just fast like just faster. speak so I can yeah. get more of this shit in oh my god um, that's so funny yeah. So I think it, you know, I mean, a lot of Oscar movies fucking suck. This, this, this hits a lot of the boxes that Oscars loves. It's a period piece, you know. There's, it's, it's a tragic tale of titans falling. There's that great line in the beginning uh, where they're talking to one of like the janitors. And oh like, yeah, you got a pretty good team this year. He's like, yeah, for the white, for the white yeah. players. <laughs> Best team I ever saw for white folks or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, because uh, yes, the Negro League was happening at this time yeah and and when this was still what at least 30 years 25 years pre desegregation of baseball oh yeah way this is 19 this is 1919 and when did jackie robinson cross the color barrier 48 47 yeah so it was a long time yeah so uh so 17 years so that's the other thing too about like old baseball. You're like, yeah, there were a lot of good players, but yeah, they didn't let the black people play. Yeah, so we're <laughs> and they see, also uh, like had a full league <laughs> that yeah. was ready to go and could have played with them, uh, but they were not allowed to. So, yes, yeah. So you know, all whatever. the stats is like, well, we're how were they pitching against? Their yeah, Sandy yeah, Koufax we'll or what? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, a lot of this movie is just back and forth. It's like it'll show you clips of a game and then it'll it'll show you like the players in their uh, hotel. And there's obviously a lot of tensions because Buck Weaver, John Cusack's character, is refusing to throw the game and um, doesn't like to lose. Doesn't like to lose. He's refusing to throw it. And then, you know, people are being like, what the fuck? Like, these guys aren't the guys you welch on. These is this Arnold Rothstein from New York. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta, you know. And then some people change their mind back and forth. And then they are going to lose. And then they're not going to lose. And, you know, they lose game one. And then they lose game two. But then they, like, they're switch pitchers. They're supposed to lose game three. And they're yeah. not supposed to. But, they, but then they switch pitchers. And Buck Weaver plays really well. And then they win game three. And then game four, the, you know, the tensions are rising and they're one game from elimination. 
Um, and then Eddie pitches a great game. I assume the baseball stuff is accurate, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be I, the easiest thing to fact check. Yeah, I think so. Uh, because they did lose. They did lose the series. They did lose uh, the series. Yeah. Uh, but there are also some other myths that. Um, Oh, and uh, the other thing is, is that this World Series is played against the Cincinnati Reds, which is not yeah. close, but not far. So there was no break. In the movie, they jump through the series really quickly. And in my head, I'm like, wow, this is really fast. Like, they're just they're playing these games. But really, they were all back to back because they just traveled and immediately played the next day. Usually, you know, nowadays, it's like, you, just, you know, two, two days break between the series so you can travel and do whatever. So really, these guys have no breaks. They're playing full... They're going to play a full nine games all the way through. And, and also this, the Cincinnati Reds feel like in just the greater, like <laughs> greater so scheme of thing. things in real life, the players on the Cincinnati Reds, they basically got their, you know, the Sox, they were kicked out of baseball, but the Cincinnati Reds basically got their championship trophy trophy taken away too. Cause, cause the, yeah. they, all they are known for is like, we want a, a thrown fight, you know? Exactly. But, and that's the other myth is that the Cincinnati Reds were somehow some sort of terrible baseball team. <laughs> it's like, no, right. they apparently had one of the best records uh, at the end of the at the end of the season that was as good, almost as good as the 1927 Yankees. So these guys were not schlubs. Right. They also made it to the World Series potentially yeah. on the level. So like they're a good team. The series also went eight games out of nine. So it wasn't like a sweep or anything. Like the Sox mm. won a few games and um, yeah. So this movie would also have you believe that like all the gamblers made out like bandits, you know, they placed all the bets with all this cash and made a bunch of money. And then like, you know, the players never really were made whole. They got, right. you know, a certain amount of money after, you know, maybe, which, you know, that's something I would believe. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I could see that. I could see them being screwed over. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get screwed over. Also, they were like, I want the money up front. And Eddie Zuko is the only one who gets the money up front. I'm yeah. like, yeah, you got to get the money up you front. You got to get the money up front. You, 100. Like, I'm not throwing a single game until you pay me 20 grand. <laughs> like, Especially like, in like 1919. You got to, right. yeah. Come on. Like, how am I? Yeah, I'm going to throw it and then you're going to. No. Yeah, no, I'm going to need that Bitcoin on a hard drive <laughs> right now. I'm going to give that to me ASAP. Um, well, they lose in eight games, and then um, I didn't really know this, that it actually went to a criminal trial, like a real criminal I didn't actually trial. know that either, yeah. Uh, and I figured it was going to, they were going to be acquitted, but because I was like, oh, I never heard about anyone getting in legal trouble for this. It was yeah. just that they were kicked out of baseball. I know that they were like, baseball was like, no, 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 no. Uh, well, but I never the- heard about them. In yeah. the movie, they 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 make the, the the legal trial seem like the main thing, and them getting kicked out of baseball happens Very almost small. as a coda yeah. at the end of that. And like the main yeah. drama is like, are they going to be found guilty or not in this legal trial? And this is where we see the great Dick Cusack, John's father. Um, but I thought the the trial stuff was great and could have even used more of that. Like if you were going to expand a part of this movie, and that's you know we all love great courtroom dramas um but you know i don't know how accurate this is but there was a whole the drama of the trial was that buck weaver wanted his own trial and he claimed he that he's getting lumped in with these guys unfairly because they tried in the movie they tried all eight players 
together as one right. entity. Right. And and Buck Weaver wanted his own lawyer, his own trial to do his own thing because um, he... And I don't know how accurate this is to history either, but like he wasn't possibly part of true. It. Uh, I don't know uh, if that's true, but also like they all got off, so who cares? Doesn't yeah, matter. who cares? Like, well, he got—he still got kicked out, right? Right, but like they, you know, baseball clearly didn't go off of what the criminal court said because they were all yeah. acquitted. So it doesn't really matter if Buck Beaver got his own court, anyways. Even if he was found innocent, yeah, they would, probably would have still kicked him out of baseball. And this was, uh, uh, you know, this was a court case in the trial. I did like the line. There was a lot, one of these like, nine, you know, there's a lot of like 1920s, like, mercy kind of lines. It was just like, <laughs> not guilty. That was an even bigger fix than the series, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really a lot of, a lot of uh, John Sayles just standing so straight. Yeah. <laughs> saying lines like, wow. I wish think? that, I mean, that's, that's, that's the big flaw of the movie. Cause that, that is a fun part. Like the two, they're sort of the Greek chorus of the movie, the two sports yeah, writers. Yeah. And it is like, they have a good repartee and there's, it's well written. Cause John Sayles is a great writer, but yeah, man, he, that's that hubris. That's like Tarantino and Pulp Fiction. It's like, you just couldn't fucking resist like putting yeah. yourself in the movie. I also like in the beginning of the movie, he's like sort of set out to be this big character. Like he's the right. it's clear that he's going to be the guy that breaks the story because he's like, you know, he doesn't pal around with the other reporters. He's more of a, uh, you know, a bummer. They don't, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so like, OK, so this guy's the guy like he's going to be a big part of the movie. And I'm like, oh, no, he's just like commentary around. Yeah, I don't know. I could that that entire portion could have been taken out but they they do break the story uh and even though they're all found not guilty they um kennesaw mountain landis just like just what a fucking name uh who uh, he was an american judge and he became the very first commissioner of baseball and he bans them all and then like we get like one little coda scene at the end where shoeless joe jackson is playing in like jersey yeah and hoboken in like a minor league and he's like going under a fake true, name but... <laughs> and i look on according to wikipedia he did used to do that he would make up fake names and play because that was I believe you know, it. he couldn't read so it was like really his only skill he would just go and and you know these guys they loved the game pat they love like that was it. yeah <laughs> and i i don't know like shoeless joe is one of those guys that you know you look back on hear stories about this guy and you're like i don't know i think i think the movie does a great job with him yeah uh, he, he probably didn't know what was going on and he's he's by far the best player on this team so i could see him being like all the other players are gonna throw the game he's like oh well fuck okay well i'm still gonna play well because yeah. i'm so good so and <laughs> my favorite scene of, is um, also oh. when he in the beginning when he hits and then the, there's that dolly shot of him running across the bases it's a beautiful shot yeah i love that and it really just like makes you feel like okay this guy is so fast look how fast he's getting to third base Anyways. i know that there i did read a little bit that there's been a ton of analysis analyzing the series and like trying to figure out if like buck weaver and shoeless joe were in on it based on how well or not well yeah. they were playing and like at what point did they make errors you know was this when it mattered or not all all this stuff there's been a lot and obviously there was one no one the one know. play apparently that does tip everybody off was in the movie was a botched double play where they didn't get either of them out 
and that <laughs> they have actual video footage of that play happening and it actually going down like that wow. and that's when everyone was like oh these guys are throwing this <laughs> like this is all they're obviously they're way better than this it's, it's funny to think that like guys are so good that when they play bad you're like oh you guys are cheating this is yeah. you're cheating to be bad it's There's also no way you make those mistakes it's so funny to think about like you hear about the you know the black Sox through the world series and i don't know i just always thought of it in my mind it was it was this top secret it was like the kennedy assassination it was yeah. this top secret <laughs> thing and then like over years and years like all this stuff comes out about it and it was just Somebody like oh no it. these guys knew what was happening in the moment <laughs> everyone yeah. in the stadium was like oh my god this is not on the level what the fuck yeah. are these guys doing <laughs> um which is such a funny way to think about it do you think um it was justified to kick them all out yes uh, for life or you think like you know malice in the palace style like a year or two years whatever i think you have to you have to set a standard you know like you don't want this stuff happening so yeah. you got to say if you're ever involved with any of this stuff you're just never gonna play again period i mean everybody talks about pete rose pete rose right. is obviously the, the big name of a guy who used to gamble on his own games and stuff like that and he's like not allowed in the hall of fame because of it he was kicked out of baseball too I'm fine with it. I want it. I want them to yeah. throw out the Astros World Series. I don't know. I don't think they're going to. So that season, the season the Astros won. So the year after that was the pandemic. So there wasn't really a season after that. Uh, and I was sort of looking forward to that season because all the teams hated the Astros <laughs> and they were just going to beam them like all the And it happened sort of during the pandemic when they started playing, they were like, started throwing the ball at the Astros and like getting there were they were yeah. very everyone was very upset. Uh there's a lot of great interviews you should check out of players talking about the Astros and how pissed <laughs> they are. But yeah, I mean like this this stuff sucks. It sucks for the game. It like takes away the magic. It also like completely makes you rethink an entire series, an entire season where you're like, oh this team isn't good. This team yeah. is like was cheating. So maybe they aren't that good. And now, when I'm looking back at the team, I'm like, yeah, they're all kind of like meh players. They like all had kind of good seasons. Like it makes sense that, oh yeah, they they knew what ball was yeah. coming. That's that's how they uh, did. Well, they beat the Yankees though, so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's something that we, was one of the games we can all get behind. Yeah, but I remember that shot, like uh, Adonis Chaplin, their uh, the Yankees uh, closer. He throws like 100 miles an hour. He's like one of the best closers in the game. And they homered off him uh, to win the series, I think, or to win one of the one of the games of the series. And I remember the shot of Chatham being like, like just like <laughs> so upset. And I'm like, oh, well, they knew, they knew what you were throwing. So yeah. <laughs> like, it must be a relief to a lot of the losing teams, you know? Just yeah, a relief and also very frustrating. I sure, think. yeah. Uh, where you're like, oh, I could have, we could have maybe won. Or, it's also know, even... such a fuck to, to a lot because so many of I mean I really know only know how it works in the NBA but I'm sure it works in baseball a lot of like non-stars they make their money in the playoffs you know if their next contract's coming up and they have like a yes. great series that's absolutely millions of dollars difference so not 100%. only are they fucking with them like look at J.R. Smith yeah exactly <laughs> Robert Horry you know Big Shot Bob yeah. like these guys make their money that you know They'll get signed to a team and put on the bench just to be dusted off for the playoffs. And so these, when these teams cheat, yeah, you're not just fucking over like 
for a trophy, you're taking money out of a lot of these guys' pockets. Because if that, those pitchers pitched you're really bad ERA. in a series... You're ruining your ERA. You're ruining their win-loss record. Like, for pitchers, it's huge. Because this yeah. is also like, you know, they're they're cheating specifically for the pitcher. Yeah. So, like, you could still know what the ball's coming and still strike out, or you could still hit the ball and, and someone can make a play. But... That's the whole point of pitching is that you don't know what's coming. And the thing is, there are like elements of like, you know, a player's on second base and he can kind of see the signs and they can kind of relay stuff. And that stuff is okay. You're allowed to do that stuff. But this is a guy with a camera on the on the catcher who is then relaying signals to the guy and, and banging on trash. I cans love how them. like high tech it is in one way where it's just like high def camera and like a radio to another thing. And then it, it just ends up being some guy on a trash can banging. Yeah. Like he's a fucking- Before we get into our segments, I do want to talk about the cool sack thing of the week. As we know, John Cusack has great politics. And uh, so we try to shout out when we can some good charities and things to do. This was a, a particularly depressing week with um, yeah. the pullout of Afghanistan and also the earthquake in Haiti. Um, and Charity Navigator gives this charity four stars, Global Giving. It is a, it's a crowdfunding community. So people can put up, can, people can put up different funds for, for Afghanistan and helping people out there. People can put up funds for the earthquake and you can donate to different causes. And that's globalgiving.org. Uh, I just found out about it, but uh, Charity Navigator is, says it's very highly rated. So I think that's really cool. Or you could go specifically for the earthquake. Hopeforhaiti.com is a good yeah. charity you can donate to for the people in Haiti. Fuck, Haiti is just a... <sighs> they just... It's... They you just can't catch a fucking break. It really there, can't. They just keep getting fucking punched in the face. Jesus um, Christ. Be like John. Do what JC would do and uh, give to the... <laughs> Our Lord and Savior, John Cusack. Our Lord and Savior, John Cusack, and, and throw some bucks uh, at those charities. Uh, all right, let's go to our segments. We didn't really talk about Cusack too much in this movie, so let's talk about him now. What do you think? Is he a Q-snack? Yeah, he's cute in this movie. He really he's young. is. He looks good. He's the best looking guy on the team by far. For sure. You don't think Charlie Sheen? <laughs> no, nah, Charlie Sheen already looks old <laughs> yeah, in this movie. He's, it's he's like already odd. done so much coke. It's already, he already looks bad. You know, he already looks like a bad boy too. Yeah. Like he's definitely playing one of the bad guys. Right. And I love that his character is like, oh yeah, I did it. No, no way. Of course we threw the games. Yeah, I'm happy. I'll Fletch. tell you everything. <laughs> I love also. You think I'm not going to get it on the action? Come on. (laughs) Great names. Like, just great names. This is what baseball was all the best names. Yeah. Baseball had Buck Weaver, Happy Felch, Chick Gandle, like, just great. (laughs) Kid Gleason. Did you say today I tweeted? uh, Today the Orioles tweeted. They tweeted, Happy 80th birthday to Boog Powell. B O O G. (laughs) Boog. Boog. Uh, Baseball players have. Great Boog. name, <laughs> Boog Powell. Boog Powell, uh, God bless him. Love, yeah, love, love this era. Love, I mean, yeah, just nineteen twenties. Love when your first name can be like an emotion. Oh yeah, that's Happy Fletch. Oh yeah, that's- Lefty. I love, I love the manager name is Kid, and they're like, yeah, they always call him Kid. Yeah. I love that. I love it. I, I like the name Kid for a Kid's for fun. a for a person. Yeah. 
It's a fun, it's a fun name. Great name for a kid or for a goat. Um, I agree with you. I think he's a real Q snack in this movie. This is you know oh, one year before uh, say anything, so this is like peak of his snack yeah, snack. He's young. He's hot. Um, he's ready to play. Is this one of the ten movies he likes? Obviously, listeners of the podcast know he's he's got a pretty low opinions of his filmography. He, there's only ten movies he likes so far. We have filled nine of the or three of the slots. We think he likes Stand by Me. We think he likes Being John Malkovich. We think he likes Maps to the Stars. Do we think this is one of the movies? Here's what I think. I think he's trying in this movie. Yeah, I think he's trying really hard, I and mean, I think he does a great job. But I don't think he likes this movie. Okay. So I, I'm going to step on Q's tweets a little bit. Uh, there is a tweet which, you know, this could mean oh, anything. There's okay. a tweet. And it's it's it sounds, according to the tweet, like he's responding to someone. But this is an isolated tweet. And <laughs> it just says, I'd say, one, bad news bears. Two, eight men out, in parentheses, bias. Three, the natural. So the so the way so the I, best baseball movies. I that's how I would read that, but he has no context. No context. <laughs> he, he's an amazing tweeter. His tweets are always just riddled with typos, and he never deletes and fixes anything. They're just no. always insane. He just t- thinks of something, tweets it, and pops it off. Uh, so the, I would read that. As Maybe he does are, like yeah. I mean, I could get that. I could get like. I think he really was. I'm, I'm watching this movie. I'm like, he's trying. He's yeah. doing like I'm thinking and he's thinking this is an Oscar movie. He's thinking this is like a good role for him. He's like, this is a big I'm playing a big character in this. My dad's in it. I want to impress my dad, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and so maybe he does think this is a good movie. I think he does. I think this is going to be, you know, it's been a while since we added one to the list, but I think we should put eight men out on the list. I think he okay. likes it. Yeah, I think. I mean, I liked it. I liked it a lot, too. And I don't even you know, I'm not even a fan of baseball, but um, all right. Uh, next segment is uh, coffee tea me in honor of the woman who spoke those famous words in Working Girl, Joan Cusack. So if we were to tick that Cusack number up to three. And pop Joan in here. Where do we think? You know, it's a movie about men in baseball and male gangs. There's not a lot of women in this movie at all. Mainly, the, just doesn't pass the Bechtel test. It does sure. not. All, I think uh, there's like three speaking women parts, and they're all the, just all women. They're all just the wives of the players. More wives of the players. Yeah. Uh, she could have been one of the wives, but I also kind of you know what I think. Joan Cusack would have been great as John Sales's. If uh, John Sales just put John Sales in as the one reporter that nobody likes, who's yeah. like going to break the story, and like, no, it's not true. It wasn't a woman reporter who did it, but just like the idea that all these men reporters are like, it's so cool, everything's great, always right. Yeah. She's like, there's something wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> something like that would have been awesome. Denmark. And honestly, I want sucks. anybody else other than John yeah. Sales to play that character. That is such a great call. And jo- Joan would be perfect at that like rat-a-tat 1920s dialogue. Oh my too. God, Just imagine yeah. Joan being like, well, the socks, oh, this, they, you know, they're playing a lot worse than they did last year. But I'd be like, oh, that'd be so great. And you can I see would. her like busting through the line and like, like running through the crowd and being like, mm-hmm. I have a question. And everyone's yeah. like, oh. Here she is uh, again. This lady again. Yeah, that'd be that would be ideal. I think. All right, perfect. John, sorry, but we're gonna recast your role with Joan Cusack. Um, let's go to Tales from the Trivia page. And no idea about this, uh, but 
you might think it's interesting as a baseball player. In many scenes, the players toss their gloves down on the field near their positions as they head yeah. to the dugout. It, <laughs> until the 50s, players frequently left their gloves on the field while at bat because of the danger of players stepping on them or tripping on them and or batted balls or thrown balls bouncing off them in odd directions, Major League Baseball requested then demanded players take their gloves with them to the dugout, and they finally complied after a rule change uh, and fines. So I guess until the 50s, they would just like leave their shit up there. I love that. I love Which it. Is really great. <laughs> and also, they talk all about like the gloves back then, like were not, they were just like, pieces of fabric it was nothing like yeah they talk about how uh chick gavin was like oh this guy's got hands like like mitts like this guy could he doesn't even need a mitt to play and like back in the day there was like in early baseball there were no gloves it was just hands it was just your hands and i think it's so funny they're like gloves i don't need uh, whatever i'll just pick it up <laughs> just that. leave it doesn't out matter. here whatever. they're all the same they're all terrible <laughs> just like leave it in the brain According to some sources, the Chicago White Sox were called the Black Sox long before the World Series scandal. Charles Kaminsky would sometimes refuse to launder the team's uniforms, forcing the players to do it themselves, which they didn't, and their uniforms became filthy. And so, so they were called the Black Sox. Um, other sources, including Elliot Asanoff's book, Eight Men Out, which is the basis for this movie. Do not mention that. So who knows if that's true, but I fucking I don't think so. love that. I, I don't think it's true. <laughs> Probably not. <but laughs> I think this whole story about Charles Spencer being a total jerk is just not true. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, it sounds like he paid his players fairly, you know, <laughs> the, the pay cut thing. He took it. He took a pay cut of his own salary uh, to help the team and to help the, uh, Major League Baseball when it was struggling after. Hey, James Dolan, you could take some notes, all right? My my, my Knicks need to get a a little bit of pay raise. So, Could you believe? Yeah. I think a lot of this is just like revisionist history to be like, yeah, they were treating those players so bad. I'm glad they cheated. Yeah. yeah. They're just bad dudes. They they were greedy. They wanted some more money. They get paid a year's salary in like a couple days. So they took the opportunity. Yeah. I mean... Sometimes the simplest answer is to if I could throw a podcast and make five grand, I would. But what's the over under on on (laughs) on this pod? I have too much integrity. I would never. I would never do that. (laughs) I want to make the podcast Hall of Fame. Uh, In 1922, a petition that's going to be a who's who of hell. (laughs) Me, Joe Rogan, (laughs) Ben Shapiro. Which would be amazing. All right, let's go to our last segment. Things I like, things I hate, things I think are weird. Uh, Pat, what's one thing you liked about this movie? That one shot of Shoeless Joe in the beginning is my favorite. That was so beautiful. I think the movie was shot really well. I think it was, you know, the costumes are great. The I really felt like it was the arrow was right. Thumbs up for this movie. The um, cinematographer of this movie is Robert Richardson, who is like... He's one of the legends. You know, he did. He's done Oliver Stone movies, including Salvador, Platoon, Wall Street, JFK, which is one of my favorite. Born on the Fourth of July. Mm. J- I mean, uh, The Doors, a bunch. He did A Few Good Men. He did Natural Born Killers. He did Casino. Wow. He's and that he is now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's become basically uh, Tarantino's guy. Basically, since Kill Bill, he's done every Tarantino movie. 
Um, yeah, so he knows what he's doing. He's, he's uh, yeah, but this is one of his really early movies. He's the guy. He's also, yeah, I guess Scorsese. He's collaborated with Scorsese like seven times too. So he's, this, he he's a he's heavy doing. hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that shot, that dolly shot of the of Shoeless Joe running was just, it gets you into the game. It like, gets you feeling like you're there. And it, was, it was great. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say I really liked the performances too and the cast it is just like it's one of those great who's who's like of just like i know that face i know that face i know that face and everyone's everyone's bringing it and i think it's probably like you said they thought this was going to be some oscar movie and like everyone's like you know maybe i could be best supporting actor whatever right um and everyone's doing it and even like michael rooker who's like really early in his career is just like still has hair great sleazeball yes (laughs) still has hair so that's good on you, John Sayles. Um, so that's one thing we liked about this movie. But I think the one thing we hate about this movie is John Sayles. One hundred percent, the worst part of this movie is his character. Yeah, which is a real shame. the The two guys uh, were Hugh Fullerton and Ring Lardner, were the real life sports writers who uh, helped break the story. And John Sayles plays Ring Light. Well. To be fair to John Sales, he does look a lot like him. Um, oh, he but does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why I cast himself. He's just like, well, I look like more like this well, guy. Well, I look like him. Um, so. But yeah, you could have maybe got a, a professional actor. Um, Pat, what's one, thing, they, yeah. Go ahead. what's one thing you think is weird about this movie? Oh, none of it's true. <laughs> yeah, that is sort uh, of weird. I guess he didn't know. Like when this movie came out was before I think they went through all the data, and apparently the guy who wrote this book still stands by it. He's like, "Hey, I I wrote it because I thought it was true. Like people were telling me this stuff, and I still believe it to be true." I mean, any final thoughts on Eight Men Out? Good movie. You know, I bet if they had made it later with the true story, maybe they would have won an Oscar. Maybe they should still make it. Maybe they should still yeah, tell the real story. The true story. Uh, you could make a movie with a better title. Yeah. <laughs> You really could. Any title would be better than this. Yeah. Uh, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. It's yeah. fine. I know. think would recommend. I really, I mean, I maybe yeah. I liked it a little bit better than you, um, but I say, yeah, would recommend. I think it's really good period piece, good performances, fun movie. If you like sports, if you like sports movies at all, I would say highly recommend because yeah. it's definitely... Yeah. As far as sports movies go, I would say it's 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 in the top definitely a good tier. One. Definitely a good one. And definitely like a crazy story. Yeah. It is a true story. At the end of the day, this actually did happen. You know, why they did it or why how things went down. This actually did happen. And yeah. it is kind of a crazy story. So uh Pat, <laughs> where can we find you on the internet? Hit me up. I'm at Pat Wise Live, all platforms, baby. Hell yeah. Me. I am uh, at Strickbomb on Twitter, but the main thing is just, you know, like, subscribe, come back next week for another episode of Pod QSAC, QSAC Nation. We do this for you. And John, we do this for you. We miss love you. It, John. We love you. Stay safe. Baby, it's Pod Cusack, baby.